Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I want to talk with you guys about what I learned from an author event that I went to. Today's uh, person I'm highlighting, his name is Fred Bowen, and I found him to be extremely interesting because of his background. You know, we talk about, you know, what's your journey, where are you, um, not just where are you from, but, you know, how did you get from from this career to that career and so he was a lawyer worked for the federal government and retired and then went full-time into writing and now he's he's written 23 books and he's all into the sports world and so when I was at his event you guys know that I don't write you know, middle grade sports fiction, but you've got to understand anytime you get an opportunity to get in front of an author and listen to them, you will not believe the wealth of information that you can pick up from them and learn. So I was a student yesterday sitting out in the audience and just watching him give his presentation on hooking students in, especially those reluctant readers, into sports-themed book series. So he gave some great tips, and he drew attention to, like, another top ten list of, of, you know, what to do when you're writing or what not to do when you're writing. And, of course, me, with my journal, I wrote them all down. Um, I'm not able to call all of them out probably to you because I'm driving, on the way to work and I left my journal book at home today I did not uh, bring my bag with me but I want to just talk with you through as many of them as I could remember well the first thing he talked about was you know get a really good hook think of a subject and he picked sports he was interested in sports himself he told a story of when he was in fourth grade that he loved this sports series, a sports book, and he actually showed the picture up on the screen. Now, I noticed that when he did that, um, I took notice of it, and I took notes, and I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to put not only the author's name, I want to put the cover and everything up, because when I went to Lester Laminix, he just spoke out loud. He didn't have any kind of presentation. Um, he didn't do that. When we went to another fancy guy who I loved, I will talk with him next um, for a next What Can You Learn from his event. Um, he actually had just a list, and he, was, and he was reading them very fast. He had a very long list on a PowerPoint to when he hit next on his slide 
people behind me were gasping because I guess they were trying to write it down instead of taking the screenshot picture um, for notes and they missed uh, the authors that he written up there so with his he actually put the cover up there and just let it sit for a few minutes he didn't talk about 50 books he liked he talked about how that one book um, was his go-to book and it really sparked his interest in reading and then he talked to stories about you know picking up those same kind of books and reading them to his son and never would have thought he would have been an author and sure enough it turned out to be he was a movie critic then he went from movie critic to writing sports books and he also writes for the Washington Post so he has a weekly column in the Washington Post, he said it's 400, 450 words or less, and it is written that any sports enthusiast at a young age could pick it up and be able to read through it. So it's another hook. So he has extended his middle grades novel series and has the Washington Post as a support piece for him. So if somebody finds him there, of course, you know what that means. You know, I call it cross-pollination. It's springtime. But then they're able to find his books, too. Or if they find his books, and then they want to go read his articles that he's writing. Um, and, you know, as a journalist, let him go there. And they can go to the Washington Post and pull up these old articles, even, and, and check them out. And he showed us pictures of those and talked about how they could be used in the classroom to hook students in. So, I thought that that was really cool. Now, I don't know if how many of you, like, work for newspapers or submit to literary journals or, or magazines or online forums, but if that's something that interests you, I can understand the value in that because you can collect a reader base that way so if you have any ends with people and you want to say hey could I start a writer's column or could I start a reading column or do a book review or you know what is something that I might be able to do and submit it for publication you never know I just maybe that's for somebody out there in the world I'm not going to challenge because if I do, that means I'm going to be the one trying to go out there and do that. And I just, um, I know what my limits are right now. <laughs> I can't take on anything else. Um, it's terrible to wake up tired. And uh, we had to do some house rearranging and furniture moving and all of that. So it was after 12 last night before I went to sleep. And so, y'all, this is going to be a very interesting day. And it's a busy one, too podcast interview and homeschool this afternoon so after working all day let's not forget to mention that um so y'all say a little prayer for me but there were some other things that i learned he asked a very cool question well how do you find out about books you know if we want to talk about how do kids hook in and engage with books and how we can do better in that area first let's talk about how adults do it and so I was fascinated with what the responses were from this large crowd and people were just very enthusiastic wanting to share you know how they 
hook in and it was you know a friend tells me about it I look on Amazon look at the recommendations you know how it'll pop up if you bought this book then there's another book so somebody you know brought up that they talked about um, gifts they also mentioned um, book clubs they said Oprah helps to influence them they talked about the cover of course we all know the importance of an enticing cover especially if we're trying to like stand out in the indie author world or Lanny world even in a bookstore we've got to compete with people walking by got to have something that catches their eye and so then you know we left from that conversation to then what could we do to hook readers in what could we make it more exciting for readers and it's pretty much like I would say to anybody have a compelling story and he went over that it was very important for people who are writing for middle grades. And I think, you know, he was targeting what he knew, but I think this goes with all of us um, to say as people who are trying to market or trying to um, pull in reluctant readers, um, he brought up the point about a fast pace because reluctant readers will want to get to it um, he said avoid lengthy character descriptions and avoid this over flowery over extended um, physical descriptions in your book if you're working with reluctant readers you know they love dialogue they love the fast-paced turn and then there was something that he said that I know for a fact but I've never put it into author thought until after sitting there with him. When students are reading a book, they don't want to flip through and have like eight pages of just straight paragraph form. They will just be going like, ugh, when is the chapter over? Ugh, how much longer do we have? And they'll look. I have quite a few reluctant readers who will flip through the chapter that we're reading just to kind of see well there's a you know if there's a lot of dialogue here this looks like it's going to be interesting because they're going to be having a conversation wonder what they're going to be talking about I think that if you break it up like that he said to be very mindful of the layout of how that looks on a page because you do not want just straight you know boxy looking pages that that can turn a reluctant reader away and I really, I was like, oh, I really like that. Um, I made a special note of that. In my, especially when we have control over how that could look. And so you say, well, you know, how do I even manage that? Well, you could set it up to where you have a, a book layout, a page layout, and you could just play around with it just to be able to set your dimensions and then have your pages side by side when you're doing the edits I think that could be something that would be very intentional to do as an editing um, review just to kind of look to see how the pages feel and fit now that doesn't mean that when it goes out for publication that you're you know you're gonna have them set up everything they're gonna typeset they're gonna do all of that formatting 
and make sure it's in its best possible um, print form. You know that if you're going through traditional publishing. So we don't have any control of it when it gets to that stage. But think about what you have control of before you send it back or before you pitch it to begin with. So think about the readers that you're trying to attract and think of it that way. Also, you could do um, plot notes. Like if the, if, so I really like what he said. Um, he said, so he's really talking about if you're going to write a series for reluctant readers. So I, I do want to go back to this again, just to say where he's coming from, what his perspective is as an author. So his advice is going to be living in that world. Um, he said that if the dialogue does not advance the plot and if the scene does not advance the plot, he cuts it. He removes it because it's just something extra that they probably don't even need to understand the story. And I was like, well, you know, he's got a point. Like sometimes when you're writing, if you get on this tangent and then you go, wait, why did I even write that? Maybe it wasn't just meant for that. Does it mean that you completely delete it? Maybe you could, you know, cut it, paste it into another Word document, and it can just be, you know, ideas that that might not even be for that book. That might be a scene that you can recraft, and that could start yourself a whole nother book. You never know. But I thought that he had a good point, especially if you're trying to make the fast pace for readers. He also talked about the research that he has to do when he's talking about sports. Because he said that his characters not only have to be relatable, they have to be believable. And he has to really, you know, check to make sure that the language that he's using um, in the books are reflective of today's time. He said that he actually had to go through and make um, new additions to his older books and because there was a flip phone in one of his books and he, then he pulls out his flip phone and everybody laughs. Um, he says, this is what I still use today. So there was a question I wasn't going to ask him. How have you been using social media on your phone to help you? But he does keep up with um, his website and he does have Twitter. Now, going back to the website, he showed on his screen, oh, this is my website. And he put this really big arrow and he was like, and these are some teacher resources. And he had some teachers because it tells what their positions are. Like a it was a literacy coach position like mine, but they just probably, I think it was reading specialist is what they called it in their county. Um, but he had units. He had uh, questions to consider, uh, questions after every chapter to talk about, class discussion. And I thought that that was really cool that he included that on his website. You know, I told you the other day when I was looking um, back through um, what I needed to update, I know I've got to do a teacher resource page on my website for Sweet Potato Jones. But I'm not gonna do that until after the book comes out. 
I'm going to have it ready, though. That's going to be on my to-do list is to take care of that for um, the fall of the year. But that's going to be pushed later on. I've got a lot of other projects that are going on right now. You see what I'm doing? I'm prioritizing, right? And I'm saying, uh, you know, even though I know that I want those teacher resources for my K-12 and I mean, well, it ain't going to be K-12, for my educators and for my homeschool families. You know, I say that. I'm not doing it now because I'm not going to be able to release all of that. Um, I don't want to give all of that stuff away too soon. And then people read so much about the book and they know what's going on and they give things, possibly give clues away. (laughs) Um, But I really liked what he had on his website. So if you want to go to his website and check it out, use it as a model. Um, His name is Fred Bowen, and he's traveling, y'all. He's working that author circuit, so this would be a great model for us. He also has a, a contact me section if you want me to go into your schools. So for those of you who would like to have a special tab for that, I think that that's really cool if that's where you're passionate about. If you have a book set for um, a K-12 environment, I think that's cool to have a uh, like a school contact page. And I didn't click on it yesterday, but um, I'm definitely going to be going back to that website. I went to it and I saw the layout and I clicked on the, the classroom resources one. But I was noticing other things while I was there. So remember, like I tell you, research, research. And going back to research, he talked about the importance of researching, you know, the top hooks that he needed. So he talked about one that I loved. So we are in here with a bunch of teachers, right? Okay. It's called, you know, something like getting reluctant readers hooked in or something like that. I don't even know what it was called, but it was like engaging reluctant readers. So everybody that's in that room has a student in mind. Now, here's what I thought was genius on what he did. He has 23 books. He had them out. He had pictures for everybody on the table. He had a colored sheet that had his photograph in the corner. It had all of his contact information, his email, how to contact him for schools. It had the little blurbs of his, some of his top books. He did not have all 23 listed. He had like maybe, you know, top ones in each series. He had a representation of different sports because he does basketball, baseball, football, and soccer. He said those were the top four, and he could name them out with percentages of, you know, how many, you know, youth today are, are playing in these sports. So, which I thought was really cool, a good twist. But the one book, the one book that he pitched, you could see the people writing it down, special in their notes. So think about your audience members. If you have multiple books, which is the one that you think would garner you the most attention that could get your book through their door? So here's what he was doing. He knows he's got the educators. He knows he's got the ones that have a a kid in mind or multiple kids in mind. And so he says, oh, and I wrote this book about a quarterback. And there's nothing on the cover that would let you know it is about a student writer at all. And he says it's about a kid who his teacher assigns him to write. And he doesn't want to write. And he doesn't want to keep a journal. 
and everybody's like oh I have kids like that you know because if you have reluctant readers they usually go you know the reading and the writing they go hand in hand so you probably do have a reluctant writer situation so she says to him well what do you like and he says uh, football and I'm on the football team and she says write about that and so the whole book and this is his talk and he's telling this so the whole book is about this quarterback who is writing about the football team and it's through these journals that the students get to experience that you know that is cool y'all that is really cool because you're not only talking about you know what's going on what's happening in sports and um, you're hooking them in and you're setting them up and you're showing them that there also is a purpose for writing at the same time and so I saw the teachers just vroom, 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 start writing 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 and I'm like yep he knew how to grab that audience and if he was going to pitch any of those 23 books, some, some genius stroke right there, some stroke of genius, um, for him to go through that list and say, this is the one that I'm going to talk about the most. So, for example, when I'm going to go do my talk at the church for the Mother's Day brunch, I'm not going to pitch fingerprint curriculum as my Bible devotional. I'm not even going to pitch Happy Renewal Year. And I go back and forth. Like, I really think Happy Renewal Year is my favorite. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I love Everyday Mom Challenge, too. And so, what do you think I'm going to be pitching at that Mother's Day brunch? I'm going to have copies of Everyday Mom Challenge. I'm going to have them there. So, you know, that's the book that's for that audience. So if you have multiple books, don't pitch all of them. You know, focus on one. They can go read your blurbs on your others. Or you can do like what he did and leave them walking away with like, you know, a few of your top books and it has the blurb beside it. I thought that was genius, y'all. Now, I have some questions, like I wanted to ask him, but he, at the end, he was just attacked by teachers, you know, wanting to talk to him. You know, I loved it when he said, you know, write to me. Authors love that. Have your students write to me. You know, I'll Skype in. And I'm like, yep, yes, you will. I bet you will. Oh, every Friday, I have a book club at my local school, and that is piqued my interest I'm thinking oh yeah tell us more about this and so he said that every Friday he goes to a school around the corner where his wife substitutes and he goes around and he's got four guys in his book club and they just sit around they talk about sports they talk about what's going on y'all I wrote that junk down you hear me because what he's done is he's building community partnerships. He's giving back. But he's mentoring four boys at that school. And I've always looked for mentoring opportunities. Um, we started a mentoring program this year at our school. And I'm very blessed to be a part of that. 
but why not extend it for next year and have community members once a week come in and partner and do a book club with them I'm like oh my gosh why haven't I thought of that so guess what I'm pitching today yep and I'm not pitching on the baseball field I'm taking what this sports author said and then I'm going to replicate it into my schools that you know into my school that I'm working at with my students so I'm like oh this is just brilliant so that's something to think about could you start a book club at your local school you know we've talked about you know contact this person to talk to them maybe you can skype a writing class da, 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 da. never once have we ever thought of that and that or i haven't and i haven't brought it up on the show and that's why it's so important that we go to these events or we listen to authors on youtube because if you can't go to an event i completely understand from robinson county i couldn't go to an event we didn't have things like this but if you get an opportunity to get on YouTube and find recordings of author talks, have your journal ready. Because I'm telling y'all, when I was in there with Lester Laminick, I took tons of notes. When I was in there with Fred Bowen, tons of notes. It's, it's very important that we do this. It's like we're studying the craft. I also just want to encourage you to be open-minded when you go to an event let's say you do not write poetry yet there is a poet that's going to be speaking near you go sit there ask a friend to record it if you can't go if you've got other plans that day watch it on youtube find some way to get access to it because there could be something in the way that they present there could be something in their author journey that was meant for you to hear. <laughs> because each one of these talks, I've gained like a really cool idea, another cool idea, okay? So get ready for this one. So let's say you have a class that a teacher is contacting you and they want to, to be in, you know, you to come to their school or, or they want you to Skype them what can you do? Well, I love this. You can have personal books, book letters. So you could just write little notes. You could get a class roster and you could say, you know, Dear Jen, I hope that this book finds you well. <laughs> I hope you enjoy reading about um, the main character, adventure da 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 then and make a little make, get little postcards those postcards could then be turned you can have the space to write because I think they're bigger than a bookmark you can have the postcards and you could get them printed and it could have your book covers on them you could make really nice postcards or you can get like little cards made you could even go on Canva not only could you make the postcards on Canva and just get you some card stock, but you can actually make like little thank you cards and you can make little author cards and you can write short little 
three or four sentence notes. And you can put your own personal style on it. And if you've got to write 20 notes, write 20 little notes. Don't let them all be the same because trust me, the kids are going to want to say, what did he say to you? What did she say to you? Oh, let me see. Let me see. And you could say like silly little things. And you could even give them a puzzle. Like, for example, you could give them a clue where by the time they, they break the code, you've given them a secret message. So you could give um, the teacher like how many lines and like one letter that you underlined that goes in a certain spot. You could come up with all kinds of little things like that, like a little puzzle. And then when everybody gets to open theirs, they have a special clue. And then there is a message that is, you know, coming directly from you. That's a special secret message. That would work no matter what grade level this is for. I'm talking K-12. Secret message would be really cool. Um, yeah, and I came up with that one. That was me. <laughs> See how talking about doing a letter and then how you can extend it? Like... Just be very creative in this. It's just such a cool way to engage with learners. Um, you can also start, when you're going to Goodwill, start collecting books that you love that you would want students also to experience. So if you're at a thrift store, if you're at Goodwill, and you happen to see a Jacqueline Woodson book, grab it. Hold on to it. Because if you start to mentor, or if you go into a school, you can have a library that you can bring with you, and you can say, oh, I love The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. And instead of just saying it, you could hold it up to the group, and you could say, you see this book? Oh my gosh, I could read it to you right now, right now. They might even say, read it, read it. And you could find a book like that and you could read a really short one because you're not just there to promote your books, people. You're there to spark an interest in reading. Then if you've got all of these collections of books, you haven't spent tons and tons of money, you can use them and, and carry them around with you on tours. Or you can leave them as gifts to the teacher that asked you to come. Because teachers love gifts. And so I noticed that yesterday of how much the teachers loved the door prizes. I won one, by the way, and they were giving out these baskets as huge as Sam. But when I went up there, there were no more baskets left. And I actually got to get the poster, the marketing promotion, well, not marketing, but the promotional poster for Lester Laminick signed. And it's gigantic. It's, it's also as tall as Sam. Um, so I'm going to put it at my office at work. So I just want to encourage you guys to think about, again, I've mentioned this in another podcast, prizes to give away. Like when I saw that dude give away those shirts and the hoodies, it's like, man, he's on point with this junk. Well, then yesterday when I saw those prizes being given away, on my way home, I had to stop by the store. And while I was in there, at first I wasn't thinking about prizes. Well, then I saw a candle that was gorgeous and it was and it had blessed on it. It was only $6. And then I saw 
a beautiful coffee cup mug that you can carry with you and it says live in the moment and those are some things that I wanted to talk about at the brunch for the mothers and I was like you know what I'm gonna pick these up Um, I spent $15 on both of those items and yes you know but I'm giving them away to the church members and if I'm just gonna keep my eye out if I see things like that they're not expensive some things like that aren't expensive And you never know what you'll find. So just keep your eye out and set yourself up a little collection of just things. Remember the story of the pineapple? If you haven't listened to that one, that's why if you feel called to buy a pineapple, you never know when that, or if if you've been given a pineapple, keep it. You never know how you can give that to somebody and they collect pineapples. (laughs) Um, But the Lord knows. So I thought that that was really cool to see the engagement or or just the excitement from teachers. Um, So he did give like things to avoid when you write, you know, avoid overusing adverbs, you know, show, don't tell, use a lot of dialogue. Um, But the most thing is, is was write a compelling story. Write a story that matters. And if you're writing middle grades, we all know this, write the character a little bit older than the target audience that you're trying to reach. So like Sweet Potatoes, she's 17. My readers are probably gonna be 14 and 15 year olds, 14 through 16, 9th through 10th graders maybe. And hopefully I'll have 11th and 12th graders who will also find value in reading it. (laughs) And adults and middle grades, because I think middle grades could also get through it. Sam just finished reading The Hobbit. Um, He would be able to read Sweet Potato. Even though I've learned that Sam doesn't really like realistic fiction, he's more into the fantasy world and and now we're reading sci-fi for him to get a taste of that world building and see. And he loves it. He loves Nixia. But, you know, you make your protagonist, you know, a a little bit older than what you're going for if you're working middle grades. He talked about that and why that was important. Um, But I think that that's pretty much the takeaways that I got from that. Um, When I go back and I look at my notes, if there's any more, I'll make sure I add it in a a, a new um, podcast. But I hope you guys have a blessed day. And sign up for some events. Try to get yourself out there. And if there are none in your area, go to YouTube and see if you can find an author event. And if you find a really good one, not only like it, but save it on a playlist and make your playlist public. You can also send it to me at jenlowrywrites at gmail.com. And I can add it to my jenlowrywrites Um, channel that I have under my Everyday Mom channel umbrella now. You know, at YouTube, I've started that where I'm going to be doing all of my writing work under my Everyday Mom Challenge Ministries because in my everyday mom life, I'm an author too. So it just makes sense to stay with what I have. So I could add it to my playlist too. So when people are finding me, they can also find resources that, that we're developing all together and saving. So... I hope you guys have a blessed day. Let's talk to you this afternoon. Get ready for our interview. All right, bye. 
If you're looking for my challenge devotionals on Amazon, go right on over and type in Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry and you'll see my 30-day everyday mom challenge, my 30-day teacher challenge, fingerprint curriculum for my homeschool families, and one that's closest to my heart is the Happy Renewal Year Challenge devotional. I dare you to go and check them out today. You can also find that they're on Kindle Unlimited because I want you guys to have access. I often put them up for free uh, promotional items. I'll do countdowns. Um, so that way you can grab one. You can gift them with a friend. You can share them out on your sites and people can go on this journey with us. In December of 2019, look out for the release of my author challenge devotional. I'm looking forward to that one and sharing it with you. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.